Hello, Gaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsor. The IGMNX podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. The Pragmatic Solutions player account management platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. And now here is today's podcast. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lint. One, three, two, one. Bingo, bango, bongo. Today we have Todd Hushalter, CPO of Evolution Gaming with us from the, from the live casino studio in Riga. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, thanks. Good to see you. Brilliant, brilliant. Good to see you too, actually. I'm, I'm really excited for today. Uh, today's topic is uh, innovation in iGaming or the lack thereof. Um, and who better to talk uh, to than, than the chief product officer of uh, Evolution Gaming? Uh, so, Todd, do you want to start by just introducing yourself? Who are you and uh, what's your background? Yeah, so, uh, so I'm Todd. I'm, I basically invent the games around here. Uh, I'm a lover of all things casino. Um, I am, uh, I was born to do this job. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I was making dice games in the neighborhood. Uh, as soon as I finished college, I was gambling all the way through high school, read everything I could ever get my hands on. Uh, as soon as I finished college, I got a master's degree in casino management, uh, and an MBA, uh, which you can actually do. Um, and, uh, it's been all casinos all the time. I've had most of the interesting jobs you can have in gaming. Uh, and, um, and this is this is the the exact right spot for me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. So so it's interesting what you're saying, Todd. So you studied game gambling. You you ran you ran dice games when you were when you were a kid. You worked in in gaming your whole life, pretty much. Uh, and uh, and gaming seems to kind of run in your DNA a little bit. But then I want to ask you, uh, what is the biggest gamble that you've done in your life? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I guess uh, probably taking this job at Evolution. You know, today it's sort of like Evolution is um, quite big. Um, but I joined the company five years ago. We had just gone public. It was um, one tenth the size. Uh, Live Casino was definitely known, but but an up and coming kind of a space. Uh, I used to go to work every day. My office was at the Bellagio. At the famous Bellagio, I had a great big office, and you know, you worked at MGM. Yeah, MGM. I ran all the gaming for MGM Resorts, all their properties, slots, tables, race, and sports, and uh, and so it's like my dream job, right? And I'm in Vegas, and you pull your car into the Bellagio every day, and you're like, I have arrived, and um, <laughs> and now I'm gonna give it all up to go to Europe to go and work for some online casino company, and I I barely know what a computer is. I'm a, I'm a casino guy. I'm not an online guy. I don't know about writing code and stuff like that. So, um, 
So obviously it's worked out now, but at that moment in time, it was a huge gamble for me. And more than a few people said like, Todd, what are you doing? So um, of course now they don't say that, but, um, <laughs> but at the time it was quite risky. I, was, I went in uh, nervous. I can imagine. So, so what was the what would you say was what drove you to take that job? Because I mean, like you said, you had a dream job, you had everything uh, lined up, so to say. You had a great career. I mean, I followed you. I I I studied your your CV a little bit. You started as a casino dealer yeah. and worked you worked your way up to the to the top of MGM, and then and then to Evolution Gaming. What what interested you to go to Evolution Gaming? Um, I'll tell you, I love gaming so much, and. Um, in this job, I can have a greater impact on the industry that I love, much more than I ever could at MGM. At MGM, you know, you can kind of turn this key and turn that key and you can get it, make it more efficient and you can maybe do some interesting things. But here, you, it's a paradigm shift and it was coming. And it was very clear that, you know, like in every other industry, online is disrupting land-based. And so this was my chance to get into it as a non-tech guy because, Live casino is basically, it's like part operations, but then part innovation. And I had both of those in my background. And so I said, I have a chance to impact the industry. And that was really what, what put it over the edge for me was, was um, leaving a mark on, on the industry that I, that I like so much. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's something you talked about, I think, as well in the uh, uh, in the Agami Next presentation last year, which was fantastic, by the way. If 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 the listener, if there's any listener that hasn't seen your presentation, Todd, I highly recommend to go on YouTube and just go Todd Hasalter Agami Next. It's an absolutely fantastic presentation. Um, what you talked about is that the uh, online is uh, disrupting land-based. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, probably the most interesting thing about it is how little it has disrupted land-based so far. And the reason for that is because uh, land, the governments have effectively, artificially held back the supply. So like, uh, if you think of like uh, how much the travel agency business has been disrupted uh, by online with Expedia and you know Hotels.com, uh, it's been significant how much the impact that Amazon has had and everything else. But because of legality and stuff like that with, with gaming, it's been, um, it's been slower. It would be even much more disruptive, but it's happening now. It's happening and, and forget about coronavirus. It, it was happening well before uh, that. I mean, you, you just have a, a world that's shifting right now where people don't really want to leave their home or leave wherever they are uh, to, to do the activity that they want to do, whether that's shopping for something or in this particular case, gambling. You know, they don't want to go to a video arcade. They want to play from their, uh, from their game room or their, their whatever at home. And so online gaming is benefiting from that too. Uh, now you stack on top of that, we can do things in online that you just can't do in land-based. So, you know, you look at some of the games that we have, and you'd never be able to replicate those in land-based. So you can give these visually rich, intense, um, bonus-laden type games that you would never be able to do in land-based. So, uh, so it's disruptive, um, just like every other industry. Online is going to displace some of land-based uh, revenue. Maybe the land-based casinos will participate in it. Some of them will, some of them won't, but it's it's, it's as sure as uh, the sun coming up.
that this is this is going to continue. Yeah, do, do you see do you see land-based casinos as kind of a legacy industry that is uh, that, that is marching on because that's what people know, or do, do, or, and and eventually online will disrupt so much that it takes over that part, or do you see them kind of functioning hand in hand? Because I would think that. You know, there's some pros with playing online games, obviously. There's some pros to play uh, land-based. You have this social part of, of, of going to a casino, feeling yeah. the atmosphere around you and things like that. Or you're also trying to kind of um, steal a little bit of the market share, even from those uh, type of uh, um, pros that uh, traditionally is associated with uh, land-based casinos. Does that make yeah, sense? It's, it's, yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. It's going to... It will online will disrupt different kinds of casinos uh, to different magnitudes. Um, for example, Las Vegas will not be that disrupted uh, by it um, because Las Vegas innovates in a way where everything around the casino gets innovation. So they're bringing the NFL team, the Raiders, to Las Vegas, or they have conventions that they plug into the city of Las Vegas, or the rodeo, or maybe they'll bring an NBA team, or the nightclubs, or before the nightclubs, it was magicians with tigers and all that sort of stuff. So Vegas is great at giving you a reason to get on a plane and come to the city. And that will be fine. But there's a lot of casinos in the world that is just a box with slot machines inside of it. Mm. And that's it. And if someone builds a box with slot machines five miles closer to your home, then you're going to go to that one instead. You have no loyalty to the place. It's oftentimes just a smoky, a smoky, uh, you know, room. And uh, now when you can do it on your phone or your computer from home, it's going to be the ultimate proximity. So those, those, those casinos, what, what you'll see them do is they're going to, they're going to, it's going to light a fire under them. They're going to say, maybe we should have that crab leg buffet on Friday nights that we always talked about that we used to have back in the nineties, or maybe we should beef up our player rewards system, or maybe we should have free valet parking or, or whatever, you know, I mean, every casino is a little different what people want, but, but they're going to have to step it up. I mean, restaurants have to do the same thing right now. Everybody is learning, learning in these last few months to order online. And people like it. And you say, well, you know, I don't really have to tip. I don't have to pay an extra four euros for a bottle of water. I, um, I can uh, supply my own wine from home. It's economical. Um, I get to sit in front of my, in my own place. Um, and so the restaurants are going to have to give you a reason to go from over there to over here. Mm. So do you see? Otherwise, you'll order at home. Yeah. So if you compare it to other, let's say, retail stores, for example, it's also a great example where uh, Amazon is disrupting um, retail stores, and you see shopping malls are closing all over the world now, and um, online shopping yeah. is is uh, clearly what is uh, the the future. Uh, do you see yourself as the uh, Amazon of gaming in that regard huh. when it comes? To um, <laughs> We yes, we we wor <laughs> we worship Amazon. Um, we study under the uh, under Amazon. We look to Amazon for cues. Um, um, I mean, we're both we're both disrupting the traditional in that in that regard. We're both coming with things. We both 
what I love about Amazon that I, I think that we kind of do like Amazon is we love the customers, the players um, more than anything. That's how we think. That that's that's probably the backbone of our innovation is like, well, what's fun about that? Well, what would make what would players like better? How can we make it more fun and more interesting? How can we make this 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 more on the player's side or something like that? And Amazon does a really good job of that. Um, just trying to make you love them more. Um, and uh, so I, th I think I think Amazon's a good one to study under, you know, not just evolution, but everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great too. And, I, and that's something you talked about as well in the Game Next uh, talk as well. Uh, who, who are your competitors or who are the competitors to the gaming industry in, in, in general? And you, you didn't say, you know, the, the, the clear, you know, competitors that you, you might think, but you talked about this Amazon and, and, and this type of industries. And can you, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by that? Like, um, <clears throat> when you, when you get asked who is the biggest competitors to evolution gaming, um, what is your answer? And, and just go into detail because it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, when do people consume Evolution product? When they're on their leisure time, usually indoors, and, they're, and, and we're 100% consumed on screens. Usually your phone, sometimes a computer or an iPad. And so you have to think about, okay, well, if you weren't doing this, what else would you be doing? If our game just shut down suddenly, what else what might you do? Um, you might go to watch Netflix. All also indoors on a screen. You might go and watch YouTube. You might play uh, video games. And so, and that's, and everybody does all of those things already. And that is also creating the expectations of how players are, are players and people, um, what they expect from an online experience. So, um, so as their video becomes HD, you better have HD because that's the new expectation. Um, and uh, uh, as as um, you know, videos on YouTube become maybe shorter and shorter, or they have, or, or movies but have more scene changes, or music gets faster, more beats per second, um, um, more beats per minute, um, then player people's tastes are changing. A song that worked in 1955 wouldn't work today because it's just too slow. So, sort of same thing. Uh, same thing with us. I, yeah. Yeah, and and when you yeah. look, when you look to innovation in 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 general, so you this is interesting. What you mentioned is um, uh, people's behavior change over time, um, together with um, yeah. our daily habits, and and um, a big part in that is the attention span uh, of people, right? Which is uh, decreasing yeah. constantly. In the nineties, it was uh, much the, the attention span was much longer. Than it is today, and I mean, thanks to social media and the, the snappy, uh, you know, quick content that is being produced all the time. So when when you look at um, at innovation, um, you know, over time in 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 the products that you create, like what uh, what uh, influences you in general? Is it uh, do you look a lot towards what your competitors are doing? Uh, is that the main focus, or do you think about? Do you try to predict the future, or do you try to see what's happening culturally in in other entertainment areas and so forth? Can you talk a little bit about your approach to innovation? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, we're we're always interested in what's the hottest trends in the world. So you know, what's TikTok doing? 
Um, you know, how long are the TikTok videos? Okay, it's working. Why is it working? Uh, okay, you know, what do people like about Snapchat? What moves is what moves are um, is uh, Facebook making? You know, um, the fact that everybody's on Zoom calls these days, or you know, WebEx or or Teams or whatever. How is that going to change people's behaviors and expectations? Things like that. Um, and so we're sort of looking broadly across society and asking constantly, what are the hot trends out there? How do people consume information and and, and all that? And how do they how are how are they how do they want to be entertained? Um, um, even on like Netflix, for example, how does Netflix show you a little bit of a preview of what the what the show or the movie is? And so we're we're constantly consuming all of that. But then um, with respect to attention spans and, and how we might approach something, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about players that we don't have. So and I think that's a an innovation trap is that you think about the people, the customers that you have today. And you iterate a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you just keep making games or products or whatever for the players that you have. Um, take like the Nintendo Wii, uh, which was solely based on movement. Yeah, I queued in a Swedish snow for 16 hours to yeah. buy the Nintendo Wii the first day it came out, by the way. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. And isn't that fascinating? <laughs> because like, of the innovation, yes. Here you have everybody creating console-based games Right, and then here comes Nintendo, way from the side, saying, "We're going to create a game that sixty-year-olds would enjoy." Yeah. And um, and so, if they had created that product for the customers that they have, they would have probably just created a, a slightly more complex controller, richer games, and they would have left, and they would have gone even further and further and further uh, from the 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 player who doesn't play. And they would have just gone and catered to the hardcore until they only had like a small little bit of business and then be wondering how someone came in from the side and ate all their business. And so, uh, uh, so, so that's a really great example of looking at the customer that you don't have. So we do that too. So I'll sit around and say like, okay, a player who looks at all of Evolution's games and says, I don't like any of them, not one of them, but I gamble. Okay, who, who are they? And I'll ask everybody that question. Mm. Say, so, well, could be a bingo player. We don't really have anything for them. We do now. That's how the game Mega Ball was invented. Um, and so uh, we say, well, well, what if you're not a? You don't like table games, you know? Well, that's how Dreamcatcher and Monopoly and the whole game show genre came about. They said, well, who are we going after? Slot players. And so, okay, well, but we don't have slots. Well, so what? What's the nature of a slot? The nature of a slot is. Um, it's uh, highly visual, really good sounds. You can bet small and win big. That's probably the most central component of it. Uh, you can also bet small and win small, so it keeps you keeps you fed in between big bonuses, and um, and you have something to dream about. Uh, so okay, so great. We don't have to be a slot company to go get slot players. We can simply um, get slot players by uh, by creating something that they would like. So thinking a lot about the player you don't have and. And why you don't have them, I think, is a key. I would think as well that uh, that the games are quick would be a big part in in this too. That they're fast. Um, is that something you're thinking about too? Because generally, um, in 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 your business model, the games are a little bit slower, you know? Yeah, we're um, so a slot might be six seconds a spin or something like that, and um, and our typical game is like fifty seconds. Mm. So we're we're a lot slower. So we we will break down. 
uh, a 50 second game round into maybe like seven or eight segments. And we'll mm -hmm. say like, and we'll literally like graph, like how entertaining is each segment of the game? So there's like betting time and then there's, there's other, there's other, there, there's spinning time or there's game result time, there's celebration time. And we'll be like, okay, you know what? This, this window of the game where it's like right after betting time closes, but before you have a result, it's boring. How do we make it more interesting? So we just did a game like called Crazy Time, where every round, uh, during that otherwise boring period where the wheel's spinning quite fast, we give you a, a top slot that will add a multiplier to one of your bets. And um, and so we we found a way to sort of shorten that window. So we're always thinking about like how do we make every single second amusing. Yeah, it's, I, I want to get back to Crazy Time in a little bit, actually, because uh, that, that game in its own is, is worth a full podcast, I think, of, of, of excitement. Uh, but I, I want to take a step back. We, uh, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned Nintendo. Uh, before and it's a it's such an interesting um, example of an innovative company and it's a really yeah, funny yeah. if you Google there's a really funny photo comparison um, between PlayStation Xbox and Nintendo hand controller evolution have you seen that so I'm not no, sure. uh -uh. Uh, check it out after it's really really funny um, so you see you see PlayStation they launched you know PS1 with the controller and every iteration it they have perfected the controller um, Xbox same thing. Um, they launched with a specific controller that they have used that model and just perfected it with small changes uh, every time. And then you get to Nintendo. <laughs> so start with Nintendo 8-bits. And Nintendo is like the uh, the crazy brother in the family who does a lot of drugs and just come up with something completely crazy uh, every single time. Sometimes it works. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't work. Like the Nintendo 64 controller with the third wheel didn't make sense somehow, but then um, Nintendo Wii was completely revolutionary and then they reinvented reinvented again. Um, and it's it's such a good example of how an innovative company can, can work in that market in comparison to a company like uh, PlayStation and Xbox, which mainly focus on, uh, you know, just improving graphics, uh, uh, really. Um, so it's an interesting example in 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 that regard. Um, so uh, crazy time we uh, we mentioned. So if I understand this correctly, uh, Todd, uh, crazy time is the highest budget production game that Evolution Gaming has ever done, and I would assume that this is the highest uh, production budget in any online environment ever. I would assume. Is that what do you think so? Yeah, I would say probably more yeah. than double the the second. Yeah. Uh, so place. so so when you go to your board of directors and the the C levels within Evolution Gaming, <laughs> you say, mm. "I have this crazy idea that's never been done before. I want to spend double the amount of money that any other game has ever been spent on on uh, before." How how do you convince them? And like, how did they, this idea birth? And tell us the process of how all this happened. Yeah. So I uh, I have the best CEO in the world. Um, Martin Carlson, and he's amazing. Um, he uh, he doesn't he, he gives a lot of freedom um, to products division, um, and then he'll come in and he'll say like, "I challenge you to do this." Now that might be like ten games, or or he'll say, "You should think about this over the next couple of years and how you want to lead this direction." It's always something really really smart. Um, but one good way to get your board to support the most expensive project ever is to have had a couple of successes in the past. <laughs> that helps a lot. So, you know, we were coming off of Monopoly and uh, Lightning Roulette, uh, both Game of the Year uh, winners. Um, and uh, uh, so that helps a lot. But um, 
and I say that sort of playfully, but it, but it is true. Um, you know, to get to get someone to sign off on some of these big bets, um, it uh, it helps to have be able to point to past successes. But I'll tell you, some of the stuff, and like you know, because like people are listening and they're like, oh yeah, my CEO would never go for it. No, it's simple stuff. Like I'll create super visual presentations. Like I'll work with the design team. I'll say like, you have to paint the dream here, and um, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna ask for a lot of budget and freedom, and uh, and I want to really convey the story of how grand this thing is going to be. And you really sit there and you think about the business case and okay, well, well, why do we need this and what's better about it and and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And um, and you 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 go in and you you sell the dream and and honestly, like you you practice your your pitch a little bit. And I think people just don't do that. It, it's it's almost like a like a little magic trick. You know, like, oh hey boss, can we can we do a big game? You know, oh why? What do you want? You know, it's like, no, you come in, you say, I have the coolest game. You are going to love it. It is going to reshape our company and potentially maybe even the industry when we do this thing. And it's going to be amazing. I want to show you. Then at the end, you tell them the price after they're hooked on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 my my boss is serious about innovation. He's I got, I got lucky. You know, he's very much like in, in our board, and you know, they're like, hey, we have to be innovating. We have to be pushing new products. Um, if I miss a deadline or something like that, uh, I don't get in big trouble for it. If a game doesn't work, you know, nobody calls me an idiot or something. Um, and uh, and then down the line, if the team that's developing the game or the product owners or the all the hundreds of people involved in it if they mess something up you know they're not in big trouble either we try to learn from it but it's not a culture where you get in trouble for uh for uh, missing on things yeah and I, i'd love to hear you talk a little bit more and expand a little bit more at this uh, actually because uh, that type of uh, culture I, th i think is something that you have worked uh, specifically yourself to instill in uh, evolution gaming the freedom to innovate and uh, kind of uh, being able to throw out ideas that sometimes doesn't work it's okay you know and and um it's it's not about you know uh, the the bad ideas it's about throwing perhaps 10 ideas on the wall and then one of them sticks you know can, can you yeah. talk a little bit more about your mindset as a as a, as a cpo and how you instill this culture of innovation into your company um yeah it takes time um and you have to uh you have to live it a bit um but one of the things that helps a lot is um like I'll change my mind on things. I'll have an idea today and then three days later, someone will say something smart and I'll change my mind. And I try to make a big to-do of changing my mind. I'm not just like, oh yeah, let's do that. I'll say, you're right, you are right. I am wrong, you're right. That is a better way to do it. And I like to highlight for myself internally too. I don't like, to, I don't want my own brain. Uh, I want to reward myself internally for changing my mind because my religion needs to be getting the right answer, um, not being right, or not being not not holding on to something I said before or whatever. Um, and so uh, so when people see you changing your mind, then it makes it easier for them to let go of ideas. And it's like, oh, it's okay. We're allowed to change our mind around here. It's not a big thing. Um, or uh, uh, in meetings, forcing people to talk. Um, if you're going to ask someone for 30 minutes or an hour of their time to come to the meeting, uh, then they should be expected to talk. 
Um, otherwise, you could just send them notes from the meeting and let them do their job. And so, you know, if we were in a meeting and you were sitting there, I'd say, yeah, you've been quiet. What do you like about this? What do you hate about this? And, you know, then you start talking and, and you know, if you want to be shy about it, that that's fine. But then then it's it's my job or others job to say to say. What do you what would you change or um, or, uh, you know, if you had to if you had to shake it up and change something massive, what would it be? And we're not going to probably do it, but what would it be? And now you're forcing them to throw out an idea that we know we're not going to take. We're almost certain of it, but it's no big deal. And so you, you just get good at this rhythm of putting a lot of ideas out into the air that you know aren't going to be taken. But it's not some big thing. It's not like, oh, geez, I, I wish I hadn't said that. You know, it's, it's not a big thing. And, and then I think explaining why so everybody gets a little bit smarter. So, okay, interesting idea. Here's the problem with it, though. Uh, you know, it's not going to work for these reasons. Um, or tell me I'm wrong. Tell me it will work. And then we back and forth, but it, it takes time, but. Yeah, yeah it seems to, uh, does it boil down to like an ego thing that, um, you know, in, in a lot of organizations at the top, uh, there's a lot of big egos uh, and uh, they might not want to admit that they are wrong sometimes. So they want to be seen as this, uh, you know, great leader who is always taking perfect decisions. Do you think it boils down to that? And then employees below them feels that they have to do the same thing? As long as companies are still going to be run by human beings, we're going to struggle with that issue. That's a fact. Hmm. Um, yes, I think so. I think um, I think it. I, I think ego is a real thing. I think we're probably hardwired to have some level of ego, you know. Hmm. Um, but I would I would suggest that the innovator needs to. It's fine to have an ego. Probably it helps you even you know make be proud and, and really agonize over those fine details. But let your ego um, be focused on the final product. It doesn't matter if you reverse yourself 13 times in a meeting and none of your own ideas go anywhere, but you facilitated great conversation. The final game is what matters. That's what the world's gonna remember. They're not gonna remember a delivery date or a budget or, or if the, if, uh, you know, we don't, we don't record and replay, uh, you know, the hundred meetings that we're going to have in the development process. So um, be focused on the, you know, f focus on the, the thing that matters. You yeah. Know, win the war and not the battle. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you talked about this before as well, the, uh, the, um, uh, the kind of, that the delivery date or the, um, it's not the most important thing, what matters is the product. And I remember that you, uh, that you used the iPhone as an example to that when when Steve Jobs and Apple created the first iPhone, it wasn't about the delivery date. It was just to perfect the product. Uh, uh, am I correcting? Yeah, that's product? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just such a great example because it's one that we all mm. know. I mm. mean, maybe the iPhone was supposed to launch a year sooner and they held it back because mm. it wasn't right. Probably the best decision the company's ever made. Yeah. Mm, but then I have I have a follow up question on that actually. So I've been thinking okay. a lot about this during the uh, during the eight nine months since you <laughs> since you delivered that presentation. Uh, since then, Apple has grown a lot. Obviously, uh, they have become a massive company. And um, when we when you look at the innovation in Apple uh, today, 
um, you might not see them as the big disruptors or innovators anymore because of their size. Now it is about the delivery date. You know, September fifteenth uh, every year. That's when we launch the iPhone. Mm. Uh, you know, um, middle of June every year. That's when uh, the uh, worldwide developer conferences and we launch the update of the of the um, uh, of the iOS. Um, how do you avoid this, uh, evolution gaming to fall off the same track, so to say? Um, and do, do you agree with this, first of all, that Apple aren't really the innovators and disruptors anymore? And can you can you liken that to evolution gaming? Because evolution gaming has had a rocket uh, trip the last few few years. Like, how do you keep up with innovation when the organization grows? Yeah, um, the. Uh, uh, hmm. <laughs> Sorry to throw our questions at you. Yeah, um, Apple has always been pretty good at, uh, at least, you know, there was a period where Apple was weak and they had something like a hundred different products. You know, they had computers for everybody under the sun and Steve Jobs wasn't the CEO anymore. It's after he left and then they ended up buying his company next and then they kind of begged him to come back and be CEO. And what did he do? He canceled like 70% of all the projects in the company. He said, they're all done. We're gonna do a couple of things. We're gonna do them really well. And, uh, and we're gonna go deep on them. We're gonna go really deep. So why should you only be able to fit like 20 songs on an iPod? Or not an iPod, a, a, an MP3 player, you know, or something like that. And so what if you could fit a thousand songs in your pocket? And so, um, um, but in terms of Apple hitting deadlines and us hitting deadlines, I don't want to be thought of as like, oh yeah, you know, deadlines don't matter. No, they matter. I mean, you have customers, people are waiting. You're going to lose a ton of credibility if you miss them. Internally though, you, you, you want to avoid saying like, I need this game by January 1st, full stop. What you want to do is say, okay, you let me know product team when you have a date that you can hit and you must hit it. You can pick any date you want, and I might challenge that date, but you gotta hit it. We can't go out there to the public. And then in a nightmare scenario, you would still rather not ship and, and, and take the pain of missing the delivery than shipping a bad product. Um, but it's still a disaster. You know, you wanna hit deadlines. It's, it's what, once you communicate to the world, you, you, gotta, you gotta really do everything you can to hit that. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, and it, is Apple still innovating? Um, again, they're still picking their spots. So, you know, they brought the watch, right? And uh, it's now the number one selling watch in the world by almost every measure, I think by revenue, by units, by everything. Um, and uh, in time, that'll probably be reckless not to wear an Apple watch. Uh, meaning like, why wouldn't you wear the watch that can predict your heart attack? Uh, why wouldn't you wear the watch that constantly monitors you and you know, keeps you safe and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's becoming a serious health thing. But Apple, I'm not sure they've lost their step in innovation. They, they take big sweeping bites, usually late, you know, late with the phone, late with the iPod or the music player, um, you know, first with the tablet that worked, but late, but late with the tablet. Others had done tablets before, late with the digital watch, but they waited until they could do, the, do it perfect. Mm. So, and evolution, we just do live casino. You know, we, we've been solely focused on just live and trying to pull in different kinds of people doing it. So, you know, we, we do one thing well, you know, we're not, 
we're not telling that's that's a weapon you know our our cfo our coo our, our everybody in our company our head of marketing only thinks about making live casino great and um and that's been a real a real weapon so far it's not a division it's the whole company focus yeah so so let's uh, um let's slide back into into that uh uh, we have a question from Peter Stenström, uh, who is asking just um, uh, what do you think the, uh, about the response of, of uh, Megaball and Crazy Time so far? Um, when do you estimate that the majority of the operators will have access to Crazy Time? And can you say anything about which game shows will be launched in the North America market in the next few months? Yep, I can answer all those. Uh, so Megaball launched about a little while ago, a month and a half ago, something like that. Uh, Phenomenal success. Um, you know, it's a whole different kind of a game. Um, basically, it's something like a cross between bingo, kino, and lottery, and um, been super successful. Um, you know, very high player counts right out of the gate. Players immediately understood it, um, and uh, and it's worked worked really, really well. Um, Crazy time, which is live to about maybe forty percent of the network, going live to everybody worldwide uh, in about two weeks. Um, I think it's July 1st, um, not positive, but I think it's July 1st. Um, and then uh, uh, and then in terms of upcoming game shows in North America, we recently launched Dreamcatcher in North America in New Jersey. And, um, and then Pennsylvania's coming and that'll be a quite a big studio. It's challenging uh, in the US and Canada because you have to do everything locally. So you have to go state by state by state by state. So, you know, to build a Monopoly studio in New Jersey and then do it again in, in, um, in uh, Pennsylvania and then the next state and the next state, it's quite expensive. And um, so we launched Sidebet City in New Jersey. We launched Dreamcatcher. Um, we're, uh, this game, Craps, is going live soon. We'll bring that to the US, of course. Um, and, uh, uh, and then we're going to, we're going to look to, you know, the business volumes will dictate it. The, the bigger the market, like for example, if New York went live, then, you know, we'll sort of push everything into the market. Well, we'd probably build a crazy time studio there. Oh, and speaking of crazy time, it's the best launch that we've ever had. Mm. Um, you know, you can, you can log in and see the, see the player counts in the lobby and uh, you can see that it, it rivals almost any game we have and it's only live on like 40% of the network. So. Um, so it's pretty pretty incredible uh, response so far. Um, we've had a, many players win 2,000 2000x multipliers. It's a it's a really volatile game. I mean, you know, YouTube is already blowing up with videos. It's it's been really good. Yeah, it's. I mean, I researched it the the, the other day, and it's it's. Uh, I mean, for uh, for online environment and even land based whatever, you can't compare these games that you're producing at the moment to to anything really. Uh, I I was thinking actually when I was researching these games that um, it very much emulates what um, these traditional game shows are that you used to watch on TV. Um, so in Sweden we have one traditional game called Bingo Lotto, for example, which uh, the entire Swedish population would watch on Sunday. And you know you have people calling in, and the, you you get the excitement of hearing them winning prizes, and you know people people like to 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 watch these things and and, um, and see other people win. And it seems a little bit the impression that I'm getting is that you're trying to emulate these game shows, just that you know now you are in the center of attention, you are the participant in these uh, game shows. Uh, is that something that you guys have talked about and think about? Hundred percent. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, you're, you know, that was prices right growing up, um, you know, 10 years old, uh, in the summer you wake up and, and mom's watching prices, right. And, and, uh, and it was an interesting question. We started asking after monopoly, what's the difference between our games and actual game shows, game shows that are so fun to watch that people, uh, will turn on their television and watch them and you can sell advertising against it. That's how that's how fun game shows are to watch. They say, well, it's certainly powerful to have the player there jumping up and down and kind of hearing their story and seeing them win money. So, okay, great, seeing them win money. So great, so let's celebrate the winner's list more. Let's make the game more communal. What else do they do well? Well, they're visual. What else do they do well? Well, you have a base game in, in these television game shows, and then you have, okay, you qualify and you go into the thing. And so we said, well, why don't we have four things that you can go to? Um, and so uh, that was really what we strove for, was making the game, crazy time anyway, uh, interesting enough that you can just watch it and enjoy without playing. Um, if you want to play, that's fine too, but but uh, we wanted to try to aim for that standard. So that's cool that you, you pick up on that. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. And I'd like to stay on that uh, for a little bit because um, in my opinion, I was thinking about this when I when I researched as well. Like, I think that's where you have the highest edge, so to say, towards uh, land-based casinos, uh, where you can really create this fully immersive experience that you are the center of attention of, you know, rather than, you know, staying at the casino and just looking at the wheel that's spinning and either you win or you don't win kind of thing. Um, do, do you... Do you uh, uh, agree with that sentiment too and uh, do you want to capitalize on that and steal market share from the land-based casino using those type of um values um yeah uh i think um it's sort of inevitable that uh that um it's going to be it's there's going to be some players out there that go and play a game like crazy time and then they move over and they go play lightning roulette and then they go and they play uh monopoly live and then they go play deal or no deal and then they go to their local casino land-based how are they supposed to sit down at a normal blackjack table or a roulette table after playing those you know they're like what can i win where's my where's my super bonuses where's my bonus rounds where's my where's my game speed you know i'm, I'm they're, they're paying everybody out it's like you know 10 spins an hour here you know, I want a multi multi window four games at a time, or or I want my lightning roulette with with multipliers. I want to be able to pull the trend the trend up and and see like the last fifty or hundred or five hundred or whatever spins I want. I want to be able to control that. And so people are just getting used to a, a gaming experience that land based just it's going to be hard for them to offer. Now, I come from land based, and land based can do all kinds of cool stuff that I wish we could offer. They can give you a drink. They can give you a pack of cigarettes. You can high five, physically high five your neighbor. Um, you can um, carry on a, a, a conversation like this instead of like on live casino, you have to type. Um, and so land-based has its advantages as well, but, uh, but they need to play to those strengths. Online needs to play to its strengths. Would you ever consider to kind of make the games more, um, uh, how do you say, um, for for the players to uh, uh, to communicate with each other like uh, webcam stuff like that so that's more privacy concerns uh, would you stay with the chat do you think or would you ever explore I'm, more immersive no, I'm up for it 
I'm up for it. It's 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 hard on the um on the the scalable games. You know, you can't have 1,100 people pumping video and and voice into one dealer. Um, but uh, and then of course, you know, you can imagine all the horrible things people will do uh, in just an open video <laughs> environment. Um, the internet but, uh, is not so the friendliest place sometimes. Yeah, but. yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> um, but you know, we have like a we have a salon privé uh, where we have 10 tables where you're you will always play alone on the table. The door is locked behind you, virtually locked behind you, and um, and so you, it's just you and the dealer. And so uh, if, if if we felt like that was something that players wanted to be seen, um, then uh, then they they could do it. But honestly, as you as you kind of go up in average bet, you go down in chattiness. Uh, the games get increasingly more serious. Uh, the chat goes down. It's just give me the cards. Don't make mm. a mistake. And and let's let's go. I'm gonna kill the casino that's the, <laughs> the player's mentality true uh, what about the uh, co-op games like uh, that's a big thing in uh, obviously in in um, land-based casinos like playing craps for example is huge in in the us you win together you celebrate and stuff like that is that something also you uh, are uh, talking about internally co-op like yeah together type of thing yeah um you know we have a lot of that kind of already um you know where you'll have a bunch of people betting on a you know particular particular event and then that event happens on roulette, it's tough because there's like so many different things you can bet on. Uh, but on a game like uh, you know Dreamcatcher, Crazy Time, or something like that, or this one, craps, yeah, you know, people tend to be betting on the on the same three or four things, so they do tend to win together. And we're doing a lot more stuff to um, to highlight what's happening in the community. So if you look look at our games, we'll show you like percentages of what different people are betting on. So you get that. So it ties you to the community. Uh, we've enhanced the winners list to show you the multipliers that each individual person is getting. Um, you can see how much money people are winning. Um, we're, it's hard on the phone, but we're looking for ways to sort of make chat easier. Um, and uh, we've got some cool ideas around sort of speed chatting where you can convey messages. Like on Facebook, you can just do the thumbs up button. And it's sort of speed chatting. You know, you're you're expressing your your feelings with a with a without having to type. And so we're we're looking for stuff like that. Yeah, we absolutely want it to be more communal. Um, they're communal games. People like communal. We're we're human beings. We you know we're communal animals. Exactly, and I think this touches Not very much on the. Right? <laughs> I think yeah, some some. I know some, some, of, my, some, some, of, my, some of my friends <laughs> fall into the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Friday nights, uh, sometimes I see a lot of animals <laughs> in, on this island too. Um, so it touches very much on. on uh, I think um, i gaming should be an entertainment-driven industry, and. Um, I mean, the the problems that uh, you know we've seen in Sweden a lot, for example, um, is that it hasn't really been in in the culture. It has uh, gotten a different stamp on it. Let's say, um, being kind of a negative thing. It has no purpose. A lot of times, people are saying. Uh, but I think what you guys are are creating is is this is something different. You know, it's 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 an entertainment led clearly an entertainment led uh, uh, product uh, that's uh, that's uh, super revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that um, <clears throat> if we are going to have a future um, in this environment uh, that is becoming more and more heavily regulated, these are the type of products that needs to be promoted. Um, do you yeah, I, I I like how you're thinking about it. Um, mm. You know. <laughs> Uh, evolution proudly has the slowest games in the industry. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it's it's um, it's it's the short game 
if you're playing the short game, you say like, oh, well, how can we kind of copy someone else's game that's a success? We can slap it up there. Maybe we'll charge a little bit less for it. And, um, and maybe we can make it a little bit faster. Or, or let's take this game, but, but shorten the, the period. Or let's, let's take this game that's popular, but we'll lower the return to player. So we'll get players money faster. Mm. That's the short game. Mm. That's the short game. The long game is what's the most fun possible thing we can do that our players will love. For some of those players, it might be a speed version of the game, but that doesn't mean you, you can't offer the normal version. You have to earn maybe even a slow version, but you know, some people like to play a little faster. Some people don't, but, um, but let players choose and find their way to the, to the game that's comfortable for them. Um, and I think it's important. Um, you know, we've, we've, we, we run a really low, I mean, our company has the, the highest RTP of any gaming company um, in the world. You know, as, as a company, you know, slot companies, slot companies like take IGT and scientific games, you know, predominantly land-based, they probably have a blended average of maybe a 10% house edge, 90% RTP. Um, an online slots company probably runs at 95% return to player. And we're quite a bit above 95. So, um, you know, players notice that. They, it's a, it's always a debate in the industry. Like, oh, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should make the games more um, casino friendly. Um, you just, you just lose all your players. Players figure it out. They really do. I mean, what are the biggest games in the world? What's the biggest game in the world? Baccarat. Hmm. Baccarat has a one percent house advantage. Blackjack. If you play it right, it has. You know, our game that we offer runs it at well under one percent. Well under one percent if you play it right. Now you play it wrong, you know you can always make mistakes in the game, but uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's tempting sometimes to to go on a hunch instead of doing what the book says. So anyway, um, it all comes back to what game do you want to play? If your mother was playing on your product, how would you develop it? You know, mm. would you try to would you try to jam the game speed in to make it faster, faster, faster? Juice up the house edge to get her money quicker, quicker. No, no, you wouldn't. You try to delight her and you'd make the money, you know, by people coming to your games instead of other companies or something. Mm. And, uh, I love the way you talk about the, the, this this in general. And, and uh, uh, there is, it seems to be a very short night, short sightedness uh, a lot of times in the uh, in the industry, um, and not only from the from the side of the players as well, but um, on the marketing side, how how organizational approaches marketing can be very aggressive and can be um, can be very short sighted, and that then backfires uh, regulatory when the when kind of the, the culture turns against that, so to say, which is very much what we've we've seen in Sweden. So. Um, the long-term game is the uh, is the key. I, I agree with that too. Uh, yeah. Todd, I, I just looked at the time now. We've been speaking for fifty minutes. It feels like it's been seven. Oh my minutes, gosh! Something like that. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, but I do have my favorite uh, subject. I, I, I know. Same, same here. To be honest with you, uh, I do have um, uh, a question that I've been thinking about too. Uh, jumping back to to crazy time specifically, and and uh, and the other games that you that you create. Th these are obviously completely built from scratch with an idea that's never been done before and a scale that's never been done before. So I would assume that you are met with a lot of challenges during the process when you create these games. Can you talk a little bit about the, the challenges and how you overcome them? And 
Yeah, sure. So we'll take crazy time it's, because there's mm. so many. Um, so uh, uh, first, there's the regulators. The game has uh, a coin flip. It has a, a wall where you drop a puck and that 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 and it comes down. We call it pachinko. And you go to the you go to get the game certified, and you got to get it certified in like you know eight different places or something. And uh, and so the testing lab is like, okay, well, how do we even certify this? And, it's, and they say, okay, well, okay, so they they don't even know. They've never seen one of these walls before, right? And so uh, so then they come and they they say, well, it didn't meet our theoretical expectation. And like, well, okay, but you've never seen one of these before. Sometimes you drop the puck and it jumps over two pegs instead of one. It's physics. And so you end up kind of debating a little bit with a lab, but also working with them to figure out the solutions. Um, you you have to invent all these things from scratch too. So, you know, how do you how are we gonna flip a coin and make it random and shoot it with different amounts of pressure each time? And uh, and in the beginning, believe it or not, the coin flip wasn't random, you know, it wasn't random enough. And so we had to keep iterating and iterating and and the surface, you know, creating a bowl so that it'll hit and then bounce and make it and it was too bouncy and the thing bounces out. Uh, and you have that problem. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the, the game is so visually rich and there's so much movement that streaming that video to you know thousands of people at the same time, it just wants to choke. So basically the way video works is the more that is moving, the more your computer has to process and the video just chokes. So the video team always asks us, hey, don't do com too complex of stuff. So they had their hands full with this one. Um, and uh, uh, you know, just at every single turn, you're bumping into these problems, and um, and and then they uh, and then the team will come to you and say, we we can't do this. We need to we need to shortcut it. We have to go this way or that way. And you just say, no, you cannot. We have to do this the right way. You can do it. And there's no playbook for it. And and you just and we got really smart people on the technical side that build build all these things um, on craps. How are we going to throw the dice? You know, people won't trust that if the dealer throws them, we thought, they'll start yelling at the dealer too much when the rolls are bad. So we create a mechanical arm, but you have to build it from scratch. And and um, and then and then they'll build something and then I'll say, no, it looks too ugly. You can't do that. You can't just shoot them out of a cannon. People want to see the dice at all times. They're not going to trust it. They want to see the arm pull back and throw it. And they want those in their sight at all times. They want to see them get loaded. You know, that's the player in me talking. And so, yeah, it's just, challenge on top of challenge on top of challenge. And then oftentimes you'll break something, you'll fix something over here, but then it creates a new problem over here. And uh, it's it's never ending, but but that's what's fun about it. It's it's That's what makes yeah. it cool. What happens What happens if you play uh, if you play Crazy Time and one of the mechanics break? What what happens then? <laughs> it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, first of all, first of all, it happens. Sometimes you spin the wheel and the flapper just breaks. This isn't a digital digital game. This is a this what is does the, physics. What does the, the dealer so, do? Then? It's like, oops, uh, sorry about that. We have to go. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's procedures. There's mm. procedures for truly everything. Deal or no deal. If the briefcase gets stuck in the up position and you go to open it, it just doesn't open. So we have <laughs> procedures for everything. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and we've learned over time. Um, you know, you're in the middle of a monopoly bonus round, and then the dice just stop. The dice machine breaks. It just won't roll the dice. Well, we can't do a manual roll because we submitted very specific procedures to gaming control boards, and so, uh, and so the way we manage all these things, every every scenario is different, but it's always a nightmare. 
just like it's a nightmare when a card goes on the floor in blackjack. And and um, and in a worst case scenario on some of these big bonus games, what'll happen is, you know, we'll say, like, just say like, the studio catches on fire in the middle of a bonus round, for example. Take a, take a crazy one. Um, okay, we're gonna cancel the game. All the players that had active bets um, uh, that lost, good luck, good, good news for you, you got all your losing bets back. Those of you that had bets that would have won, we're gonna give you the average, the would be average payout on that game. And, um, and so like if you entered the game on a 10X multiplier and then the game broke, we would give you the average for a 10X multiplier. So it, it still ends up being pretty good for the player. Um, but it, but you get your money on a, on a slightly delayed basis, but it's, it's a drag, but that's, that's live casino probably right now, somewhere yeah. in this building, someone just threw a roulette ball on the floor by accident or, <laughs> uh, or a card went on the floor or, you yeah. know, a flapper is about to break. break yeah. Yeah. That, it's part of the excitement, I guess. Uh, um, yeah. Well, one last question for you, Todd. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to hold you for for too much longer, but um, I, I mean, Evolution Gaming at the moment is on top. I mean, it seems uh, like an unstoppable train. The uh, the um, the company is doing super well. The uh, the share prices is climbing and climbing and climbing, and it seems like the closest um, uh, real competitor, let's say, other live casinos uh, are far, far, far behind. And this gives me a little bit. Um, Flashbacks to how Netant, the position Netant had in the in the in the industry a couple of years ago, um, <clears throat> which was a very dominating uh, factor. And then what happened? They kind of um, didn't uh, didn't follow the industry. Other smaller organizations started popping up, uh, started innovating, uh, came closer and closer to to Netant. Netant's obviously still a great company. They they're doing well and so forth, but they don't have the same market share as they used to, um, perhaps because they outgrew themselves in, in, in a way. How do you avoid Evolution Gaming ending up in the same situation? Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of things. Um, the first one is to love and keep all the people that are doing this. Um, we've got a lot of talent. Games are just the work product of smart and dedicated people. So love them, listen to them, uh, you know, compensate them, take care of them. That's that's number one. Um, because that's all a company is, it's just a collection of people. And if that collection of people went to another company, then they would have sort of the same DNA, right? Because you take the people and just move them. Um, that would be one. Another is, and this one my CEO talks about all the time, stay paranoid, stay paranoid. Um, just, we have a culture of, of aggressively pursuing the next thing um you know my, my ceo will say like todd i want you know 15 new games or 10 new games or, or whatever and but if i come back and i say listen there's not the market can't take 15 new games right now you know let's do seven great ones i say okay fine good go or you know um but not doing games just for the sake of games um not copying and pasting uh uh the paranoia will help because something like virtual reality, it will become increasingly bigger and bigger and bigger. Coronavirus made made uh, VR bigger. You can't get the Oculus Quest; they're all sold out. So now everybody's not everybody, but a lot of people have them. They're going to look to go and play live casino on those. Now, when do you make the jump? How do you make the jump? What's the right way to make the jump? So, st staying paranoid about like 
form factors and how people want to play and how would we utilize voice if we wanted to and and that sort of stuff is is critical but this is the this is the big company problem and you have to fight it you have to fight it you have to fight the the laziness you know have to get people to care lead by example it's it's um it's uh but i think paranoia and just having people around that love it they just love it you know you don't we don't make games because we say, oh, we think this will generate, uh, <laughs> my CEO might not like love this or my CFO, but like we don't make games because we're like, oh, we can really make profit on this game or something like that. That's the byproduct of GGR, which is, you know, which is the byproduct of creating a game that players place a lot of bets on, which is the byproduct of having a game that's fun. And so we really just sit around and say like, what's fun? And we work in a bit of a cocoon. We don't have big product committees that tell us what to do. Um, we we don't democratize, this, this might not be very popular, but we don't really democratize the game development process or the game idea process. Anybody can bring ideas, but we don't have like 15 teams around the world, each one coming up with their own games. It's very centralized. It's it's a core group of us that, that, that come up with all of it. Um, but this is this is the fight. This is the fight, Pierre. <laughs> this is the fight. I, uh, yeah, I, Todd, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking for the entire iGame industry uh, when I say that uh, uh, you're an inspiration, Todd. You, you, you really are in this, uh, in this environment. You're, you're a brush of fresh air um, in, in, in this industry. And uh, I'm not going to inflate your ego too much so that uh, yeah. you know, think all your ideas are great and kind of ruin what you have going here. Mm -hmm. But, but um, it's uh, really appreciated that, uh, that, uh, that you come on here and, 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 and uh, that you are so open with uh, kind of your strategies and, and your ethos in, in, in general. Um, I think um, I hear it on a, almost on a weekly basis Todd, the, the, after the presentation you did um, at I Give Me Next, our conference, um, how great it was. Um, people in our team use your use excerpts from that presentations all the time. And we, we kind of try to take that into, into the way we uh, work. And, um, and I know that there's so many other people who, who do that as well. Um, so, so it really means a lot that you, that you come on and, 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 and share your, your ideas. Um, and uh, I would love for you to, to come, come back at some point uh, as well, whenever you want, you're, you're, you're welcome. Yeah. Love, love to do this again. Um, and as a finisher, I've been looking at uh, those dices for the entire podcast. Uh, do you think it would be incredible if you could throw two sixes for us today? I'll do it one more time. <laughs> if you throw two sixes, then you have to come back to the podcast yeah. in a one. If I, could, if I throw two sixes, I don't need to work for a living. I'm just going to go play yeah, yeah. craps. Exactly. Go. Exactly. Okay. Come on, Todd. What did we get? Four and a, a four, four and two. Four and two. Okay. That, it's fine. It's one six. Okay. So that, then we, 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 we got close. We got halfway there. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to end with, uh, Todd? Uh, first of all, thanks for all your kind words. I'm grateful. Um, I just I, I love talking about this subject. I love the industry. I'm grateful that you would have me on. Um, uh, those listening, um, if you're a customer of Evolution, thank you for uh, for your business. We're working hard for you every day, uh, working hard to to make games that players are going to love. If you're a player of our games, thanks for thanks for playing our games. And if you got any ideas, you know you can shoot me messages on LinkedIn or anything else like that. Um, we haven't had our last best idea yet. There's still good ideas out there. If you've got any that you want to see incorporated in, just tell us. 
you know, we'll do our best. Uh, you know, I'm pretty responsive on, on, on most channels. Uh, never want to miss a good idea. But, uh, but I thank you for playing our games, and I hope you enjoy them. Yeah, th thank you, Ted. Okay, the lesson of today is to innovate or die. That's what we are talking about. So thank you so much, uh, Todd. And that's it, folks. Have a great day, everybody. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Goodbye. This fruitful discussion has been brought to you by our sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. Is your business struggling to keep up with the development demands on your current gaming platform? Well, then it's time to upgrade to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Multi-tenant, multi-currency, multi-regional, API-based, rule engine automated, regulation ready. It's all here out of the box. Smart businesses leverage Pragmatic SaaS model and license powerful modern technology for a fraction of the cost of in-house development. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Stay safe and take care.